0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at DynastyFreaks.com or email DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing. All of my team is 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode 178, we're going to talk about the free agent frenzy. Uh, Last week was definitely one of the most wild weeks in the NFL free agency and trades, like one of the most wild weeks feels like in history. Uh, So many players signed with or traded to new teams within the first uh, few days that I was just frantically trying to update players, you know, just the, the teams that they were on on my website as well as just trying to update rankings as I went along. And I did as fast as I could. It was definitely a whirlwind of a week. And while I'm still making updates and considering changes to my rankings after I make those updates, I wanted to provide just some initial thoughts on at least 10 of the most dynasty relevant players that switched teams last week. So, talking just about those who switched teams, not those who re signed with other teams. That's the folks of this podcast today. So, I've got 10 of them for you. Just give you my thoughts from a dynasty perspective. First one is Deshaun Watson. Watson was traded to Cleveland. Uh, where he'll try to start his life over again, you could say, and definitely start his NFL career over again. Uh, his trade market definitely heated up after the grand jury did not indict him on those criminal charges two Fridays ago. And right or wrong, uh, he's now the Cleveland Brown, and his dynasty, you know, value has spiked back up um, after staying kind of in a holding pattern for this whole last year while these criminal cases were were before him. And it's gonna be a fun experiment because I want to see if Stefanski's run-first, you know, tight end-heavy offense. Uh, that was based, really, if that was just based upon, you know, Baker Mayfield's limitations as a quarterback, or if now that he has Watson, he's going to open things up quite a bit uh, and let Watson lead the team that way. Either way, that's definitely sure that Watson's presence increases his dynasty, the dynasty value of all the other weapons on Cleveland's offense. Uh, while he doesn't have the best weapons, you know, in the passing game, uh, he elevated the play of his kind of mediocre wide receivers in Houston when he was there. And so I think he can do the same thing in Cleveland. Uh, last week in the podcast, I talked about how I, Amari Cooper really dropped a lot in my rankings after he was traded to Cleveland. Well, I moved him down significantly. Now he's moving back up because Watson's you know on the team. That's going to make a big difference. Same is true for David Njoku, who I who I talked about in last week's podcast, not liking that he stayed in Cleveland. Well, now with with Watson there, and Njoku and Harrison Bryant, uh, their value takes a bump a bump up as well, especially since Austin Hooper, whom we'll talk about later. Uh, was traded last week too, so not really traded. He was dropped and picked up last week, so uh, pretty, pretty interesting news with Watson. We're going to see how we, you know, how this all plays out legally. Don't have any comments on that regard, uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, obviously this is a big bump for the whole offense, and certainly brings Watson back into you know being a relevant top ten you know dynasty quarterback again. Next player we'll talk about is Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky signed with the Steelers, uh, who. Definitely plan to give him a second life, too. Kind of like Watson's getting a second life. Trubisky's going to get a second life, too. And this trade definitely elevates Trubisky's dynasty value from the grave. It was in the grave, wasn't it? And that's a real gift for managers who actually had him on their rosters in Superflex leagues. It's always so wild when you end up with kind of a surprise starting starting quarterback. I know I picked him up off waivers um, a few weeks ago in one league that I'm in that's transitioning to a Superflex league in 2023. And so after I heard the rumors that NFL teams were looking to sign him as their starter, I picked him up so that now I have, at least for the time being, another quarterback. Even though I got to wait a way to year before it actually becomes a super flex league. Um, you know, as far as the other offensive players in Pittsburgh, I think that their dynasty value would have benefited way more obviously if they would have, you know, made one of those blockbuster deals to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers in those trades. Um, but Trubisky, you know, he doesn't really sink their value completely either. I think he's far better for them than, you know, if they had to sit around with Mason Rudolph like it looked like was probably going to be the case. Um, He's going to raise their value. I think kind of just fit right right about where they are. I do think that this is a bit of a project that they're trying to do here. So I think it's going to take some time to see how he does with the team. I also wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh, you know, drafts a quarterback in this coming uh, NFL draft, making this a pretty short-term project at best that they're trying right here. Uh, on this one, I'm really taking more of a wait and see approach, holding everyone kind of at their same value, except Trubisky, of course, who rises significantly just because he has a starting role again. For me, it's kind of wait and see. Everyone stays about the same. Stock some running backs: uh, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds uh, signed with Miami and saw his you know immediate spike in his dynasty value after being handpicked by their new coach Mike McDaniel. But then just a few days later, McDaniel muddies the water again by signing Raheem Mostert a player whom he knows well and utilized well in San Francisco. Uh, Edmonds was given a two-year deal compared to Mostert's one, so I believe that McDaniel sees Edmonds as their lead back next year, Um, or he just knows that Mostert has never been able to stay healthy for an entire season. I imagine that they're probably going to do about a 65-35% workload with Edmonds being the lead back. Uh, That's more than he's ever had in his short career, though, with the Cardinals. So his dynasty value is rising in my eyes uh, just because of the increased opportunity that you know he never had that much in, in Arizona. I really wish that the 49ers would have re-signed Mostert honestly uh, since they're the only team that was able to really make him great uh, but having, you know, a new coach had you know had coach leave from the 49ers to be the, the one here in Miami, uh, well that that means that he has plans for him too. His dynasty value Mostert's that is kind of remains about the same for me with this move to Miami. On the other hand, Miles Gaskin, He's the one that takes the precipitous drop and will become practically untradeable um, in Dynasty right now, too. So bye-bye, Gaskins. Probably the next biggest thing of the whole uh, last week was the in a surprise move Green Bay traded Devontae Adams uh, to the Raiders after stating that, that he would not you know, play under his franchise tag in Green Bay. Uh, Adams is definitely still one of the most savvyest receivers in the league, and I'm sure that he's going to play well. With his former college quarterback, Derek Carr, but his dynasty value has to take a hit after signing with the Raiders. Raiders compared to Rodgers and Green Bay. Rodgers and Adams, you know, they just had that mind meld in Green Bay. And Rodgers, you know, just only had eyes for him, which is why he was just going to get so many targets. In Las Vegas, there's Darren Waller and Hunter Renfo, who are going to actually compete for targets. And as uh, solid as Carr is, we all know that he's certainly not Aaron Rodgers. And so Adams has got to go down just a little bit in the rankings here. I do think that Adams is going to succeed you know, with Carr in, in Las Vegas. I think he can succeed there. Um, Rodgers, I think, though, was actually going to have a more challenging time succeeding now in Green Bay. The most significant uncertainty created by all of this whole trade was the target gap that now has opened up in Green Bay. With the team, Green Bay, that is, they've 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 tendered uh, Alan uh, Lazard. They re-signed Robert Tanyan last week. They restructured Randall Cobb's contract. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's uh, testing free agency right now. So the Packers are now one of those most likely teams to draft a wide receiver um, in, in the draft. I think that's certainly going to happen. But the question is, can Rogers build rapport with a young receiver this late in his career? That remains to be seen. Rogers is kind of a persnickety quarterback that only wants to throw to guys that he trusts and gets on players that don't do things exactly right. I don't even know if he has the patience to do that with a young wide receiver unless they really come on and prove themselves to him in some way. Uh, Roger's going to miss his little safety blanket, uh, but it's his own arrogance and greed, in my opinion, <laughs> that led to Adams' readiness to leave the team. A couple more receivers here. Uh, Allen Robinson. Robinson signed a three-year deal with the Super Bowl champion Rams, and he'll finally have a top-tier quarterback throwing passes. For the first time in his career, he's going to have a good quarterback in Matt Stafford. And the Rams actually have a history It's kind of torn on this one. Uh, The Rams have a history of making the right moves in trades and in free agency, especially at the wide receiver position. They've done it so many years in a row. So I really like Robinson's landing spot from that standpoint. At the same time, I was really eager to see him get traded to a team, or not get traded, but get picked up um, by a team that was actually going to make him be the number one wide receiver on his team. I think, you know, the dynasty value... For Robinson would have ridden, ridden, you know, got risen a lot higher if he signed with like Detroit or Atlanta or New England, or even with Green Bay after Adams was traded, um, giving him the you know the wide receiver one on a team, where he's going to be the wide receiver two, obviously behind Cooper Cup and in LA. That said, um, I'm torn here. I wish he would have been a wide receiver one, but that said, they've done a really good job making even wide receiver two guys relevant. So I'm going to go with. Uh, Hey, McVeigh and Stafford and them I trust. So I believe that he can uh, resurrect his dynasty value in L.A., even though he's, you know, clearly the second fiddle to Cooper Cup. That sparked another one uh, Robert Woods we'll talk about. The Allen Robinson trade created a path for Robert Woods to go to the Titans. Woods is one of my most rostered players. I think he actually might be my most rostered player. So I was pretty upset when the Rams signed Allen Robinson because I knew that didn't, that didn't bode well for him. I didn't want to see him become the third most targeted wide receiver on his own team, which looked like that was going to be the case. So I, in a way, I was actually pleased to see him get traded to the Titans, where he can really can become back to being a wide receiver two on his team. You know, he'll be definitely behind the alpha wide receiver one and A.J. Brown. The Titans' offense is not nearly as efficient as the Rams, so we got to admit that part of it too. But I do think that they can produce enough to keep Woods as a starting wide receiver in the dynasty leagues, particularly those leagues that require three wide receivers in the lineup. I think Woods his uh, you know, this definitely has diminishing dynasty asset right now. He is, but I'm really hopeful that he's going to produce with the Titans, you know, playing out what's likely going to be his last NFL contract for these next four years with the Titans, um, could have been a worse landing spot and even staying with the Rams could have been worse for him given Allen Robinson's new presence on the team. So not the worst of situations, but Woods is in a little bit better shape in my opinion. Um, even though he's admittedly dwindling in his dynasty value. The big wide receiver was Christian Kirk. Kurt. <clears throat> Kurt signed the biggest wide receiver deal with Jacksonville, who spent free agent money like it was going out of style over the last week and a half. Uh, his four-year, $72 million year makes it clear that they see him as their wide receiver one. The only problem is that he's never done that before. And unlike Allen Robinson, who I just spoke of, uh, I wanted to see Kurt sign with a team where he could be more effective as a wide receiver two. Which I think really suits his game better. So I don't think that he can do what Jacksonville and Coach Peterson expect him to do. On the positive side, uh, he is paired with Trevor Lawrence, who could only improve on his mediocre rookie year. Um, after the signing, I moved him up a little bit in my rankings just because I'm convinced that he'll get more targets than he has before with the Cardinals. But I didn't move him up as much as you know I think most people think that I would. Um, if I think if he would have signed with a different team where he could have been paired with a wide receiver one. That was what he's best suited for. The player that was hurt most by this trade, though, uh, and the signing of Zay Jones by Jacksonville is LaVisca Chenault. Man, my hopes of Chenault becoming the player that I once traded a first-round pick to get are dwindling very fast. That said, I feel like Jacksonville is also just putting a bunch of stuff into what I'll call a roster soup just to see how it tastes. And from an athletic standpoint, I still think Chenault has a good chance to emerge if that's what they're doing here, just creating a little roster soup. I think he has a chance to move you know emerge as the best wide receiver on the team. But you gotta be realistic that the money says too much. The money says otherwise, and they just gave all this cash to Kirk. And so Chenault's you know really dwindling in his dynasty value as well. Next wide receiver is DJ Chark. It's been a long time since Chark's breakout season in 2019. Which is why his dynasty value has been falling, and it's why the Lions only signed him to a one-year kind of prove-it uh, type of deal. Uh, his signing changed my expectation for Josh Reynolds too, who I, you know, talked about last week on the podcast. Um, but I could still see the three of them: I'm, I'm on Ross, St. Brown, uh, Josh uh, Reynolds, and DJ Chark. You know, being the three wide receivers in their three their three wide sets. Uh, Chark succeeds, you know, down the field. Jared Goff likes to check the ball down. So from that standpoint, I'm not too excited about Chark here. I still believe that St. Brown, T.J. Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift, they're going to be the players that Goff naturally checks down to and looks to in the passing game. I'm sure that Chark's going to have a few big games, but he's going to be a really unreliable starter in fantasy lineups. So his dynasty value was not helped by this, in my opinion. And his signing, by the way, does not affect at all. My love of Monroeville Saint Brown still believing in him. Let's touch on two tight ends to stop this uh, before we before we end the podcast. Uh, first is Evan Ingram. Uh, Jacksonville also added Evan Ingram to their roster soup, as I called it, uh, signing him just to a one year deal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, surprisingly made Dan Arnold and James O'Shaughnessy's fantasy relevant at points this last season. Both of those guys were at points. Um, and Ingram is just simply a much better weapon than the two of them, the two of them combined. So I really like his chances to be a big part of the Jaguars passing game this next year. Uh, Coach Peterson also helped develop Zach Ertz into one of the top uh, tiniest, you know, fantasy tight ends in Philadelphia. I think he can do the same with Ingram as well. I am puzzled a little bit about why they only signed him to a one-year deal, uh, but I think that Ingram's going to prove enough to get signed to a longer contract at the end of the season I really like this landing spot and believe his dynasty value is going to continue to rise as the 2022 season progresses. Uh, Also might mention here that Ricky Sills-Jones also signed a one-year deal with the Giants to take his place, to take Ingram's place, and it appears that he's got the job kind of to himself because the Giants also cut Kyle Rudolph. Sills-Jones is kind of a sneaky player to try to trade for right now or even find, you know, on the waiver wire in some leagues, if, if you have an open waiver wire, he might be on the waiver wire right now. Uh, both Ingram and Ricky Sills-Jones uh, have one year to prove themselves on these contracts, and I'm really interested in acquiring both of them in the leagues this week. I'm going to be looking for those guys to, to pick up in a trade. Final tight end that we'll mention is Austin Hooper. Uh, Hooper was cut by the Browns, and then he signed with the Titans. Uh, like Ingram, I love this landing spot for Hooper. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has, and the Titans' offense have made, you know, tight ends fantasy relevant. It was, he is, it was uh, Tannehill who gave Johnny Smith the best you know, fantasy year of his career and even made Anthony Firkshire kind of a thing for a moment this last year, too. Uh, Hooper definitely struggled to produce in Cleveland, but I really think that was less about him and more about the tight end rotation that they had in the Browns like I talked about on the podcast last week. In Tennessee, though, Hooper's going to be at every down tight end, and that's going to make him become a very startable fantasy tight end again. I think his value is never going to creep back up to the height it was you know, after his breakout season in Atlanta. But I do think in Tennessee, his dynasty value is going to rise higher than it ever was in Cleveland. So kind of a second peak late career uh, boom for Hooper's dynasty value now that he has signed with the Titans. Well, that's, out. that's it for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email. Then I am on Twitter, so contact me that way. I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot for me as an independent podcaster. We're going to keep following the free agency. Hope that you've enjoyed this, and it's fun to get our minds around it start thinking. Stay active, be a dynasty freak, make trades upon uh, some of this news that has happened. We've got a few more. The rush is not over. There's a few more that we'll be talking about in the coming weeks, and some of the ones that I didn't talk about that have already happened this week. We'll make sure to pepper those in and give you some of my opinions on those as well. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.